What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actor Gary Oldman and the Marvel movie Eternals. First, let's talk about the career of legendary actor Gary Oldman. And there are two early performances that showcased how fearless and brilliant of an actor Oldman would become. First, Sid and Nancy, where he plays rock star turned addict Sid Vicious. It's a wild and raw performance. Then in Prick Up Your Ears, he plays playwright Joe Orton, who was just starting to make a name for himself when he was killed by his jealous and mentally unstable partner Kenneth, played by by Alfred Molina. It's such a different Oldman than in Sid and Nancy. In Prick Up Urius, he gives a much more charismatic movie star performance. Oldman is the definition of a versatile actor, and then in the early 90s, Oldman worked with two of the most iconic directors ever. First, in 1991, he worked with Oliver Stone on JFK, where he played the man who assassinated John F. Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald. This film features one of the best cast ever, Kevin Costner, Tommy Lee Jones, Joe Pesci, Kevin Bakeman, and Oldman. And Oldman is definitely one of the standouts. And then in 92, he worked with Francis Ford Coppola on Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oldman is scary good as Dracula in a very good but odd movie that co-stars Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves, and Anthony Hopkins. There was a long stretch of Oldman's career where he was mostly playing villains in studio movies, beginning with The Professional, with Natalie Portman and Gene Reno. In it, Oldman plays a corrupt DEA agent. It's a fun and over-the-top performance. He again plays the villain in The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis. Both The Professional and The Fifth Element were directed by Luke Besson. He was the big bad in Air Force One with Harrison Ford and in Hannibal with Anthony Hopkins and Julianne Moore. I think Oldman understands that playing the villain is more interesting than playing the hero and he got to play the villain in some really good movies. One of Oldman more interesting films is The Contender with Joan Allen, Jeff Bridges, Sam Elliott, and Christian Slater. The film is a great look at where politics were in the early 2000s and where they were headed. I love this movie. It gives a great insight about to what real politics are like. Jeff Bridges is great in the movie. I think Gary Oldman is, of course, really good in the movie. Joan Allen is incredible in the film. If you have not seen The Contender, I highly recommend it. In it, Oldman is playing a Republican who does not want a female vice president. It's a really good Gary Oldman performance. For most modern audiences, Gary Oldman is best known for his supporting roles in two of the biggest film franchises of the last 20 years. First, in the Harry Potter films, he played Sirius Black, who is introduced in The Prisoner of Azkaban, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, as a man who is on the run, who at one point, Harry Potter thinks, is responsible for the death of his parents. I think he gives one of the best performances in those movies along with the late great Alan Rickman and Ray Fiennes. Oldman as Sirius Black is the perfect casting. He's someone who audiences know for playing villains, but this time he's playing a guy who is just labeled one but is in fact not one. He's a hero. Then in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, he played Commissioner Gordon, and I feel like his role in the trilogy is underappreciated, especially in the Dark Knight, the second film. We all talk about the late 
great Heath Ledger, and rightfully so. But Oldman is brilliant in that movie, particularly in the final confrontation with Two-Face, played by Aaron Eckhart. For a very long time, Oldman had been considered one of the best actors ever, but only just recently has he gotten accolades for his work. His first Oscar nomination did not come until Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy in 2011. In that film, he shares scenes with Colin Firth, Tom Hardy, Mark Strong, and Benedict Cumberbatch. He won the Oscar for Best Leading Actor for Joe Wright's Darkest Hour with Lily James, Kristen Scott Thomas, and Ben Mendelsohn playing Winston Churchill. It's a very good performance in a solid film, and he got his third nomination for David Fincher's Mank, playing Citizen Kane co-writer Herman Mankiewicz with Amanda Seyfried and Lily Collins. And I know some people did not like him playing Herman Mankiewicz because he did not look like Herman Mankiewicz. Here's what I have to say about that. Gary Oldman is one of the greatest actors of all time, and he can play whoever he wants to play. My favorite Gary Oldman performance is in True Romance. What he does with a little screen time he's given as a pimp named Drexel in this film is spectacular. His two scenes are electric. I love when actors make bold choices, and that's what he does with his voice in this film. It's a choice, and for me, he pulls it off. The performance is like a vibe. There's loud music in the background, and Oldman takes over as an over-the-top maniac. The film was directed by the late great Tony Scott and written by Quentin Tarantino, and there are a lot of great performances in it. Patricia Arquette, Brad Pitt, Samuel L. Jackson, and Christopher Walken, but for me, the performance that wins the movie is Gary Oldman. He's the ultimate chameleon. Most actors strive to play different types of characters. Gary Oldman has made that his life mission, and he has done so successfully. The most underrated performance of his career is in Steven Soderbergh's The Laundromat. He shares all of his scenes with Antonio Banderas, has a fun, ridiculous accent. That's something I love about Gary Oldman. What he does with his voice in movies, what he does in Dracula, what he does in True Romance, and what he does in The Laundromat is so compelling. I don't care if real humans never talk like that. It is just really good accent work. I think Oldman realizes that it doesn't matter if his accent sounds real. It matters that it sounds entertaining. And every movie he's in, his accent is entertaining. I think one of the reasons why Gary Oldman is kind of the forgotten movie star is because he's not Brad Pitt. He doesn't have a movie star persona. He loses himself in movies, and those are not the type of actors that get beloved by most audiences. It's the George Clooney's of the world who play themselves over and over again. Gary Oldman is playing something different. Again, he's a chameleon. The biggest compliment I can give Oldman is when you're watching a Gary Oldman performance, you're not thinking about the actor Gary Oldman. You're thinking about the character that he's playing. He's really not a movie star. He's more of a character actor. The best year for Oldman's career for me is 2005, where he played Sirius Black in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Commissioner Gordon in Batman Begins in the same year. That's two of the top 10 highest grossing movies at the domestic box office in that year. And before he played those characters, he was an actor who was considered underrated. Oldman is someone who a lot of actors consider the greatest living actor, and not a lot of people have seen his best performances, Sid and Nancy, and Prick Up Your Ears. Playing those two iconic fictional literary characters at the same time, Sirius Black and Commissioner Gordon, has made Gary Oldman a household name, and they're not his best performances, but they put him in front of a modern mainstream audience. Here's the list of Gary Oldman performances I highly recommend you watch. Sid and Nancy, Prick Up Your Ears, JFK, Bram Stoker's Dracula, True Romance, Lee 
Bailey on the professional, Air Force One, the contender, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the Dark Knight, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Lawless, Darkest Hour, The Laundromat, Mank, and Crisis. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Eternals. Here's a quick synopsis. The Eternals are super powerful beings brought to Earth to fight off the planet-killing deviants. Now after over 500 years after completing their mission, the group is brought back together and learn the dark truth about their quest. The film stars Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Angelina Jolie, Barry Keoghan, Don Lee, Lauren Riddleoff, Leah McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Selma Hayek, and Kit Harington. This was a Marvel movie, so I wanted to see this movie to begin with. I'm always interested to see these Marvel origin movies. They Sometimes they can be a bit of a mixed bag. And then this movie got really bad reviews, and I wanted to see it even more because I wanted to know what people are so upset about. Before I get into what I really don't like about this movie, I want to talk about the good stuff. So here are the standout performances. They come from Kumail Nanjiani, whose character arc during his time on Earth has become a Bollywood star. These movies need comedic relief, and no one is better at that than Kumail, whose career since The Big Sick has been kind of interesting. He was in Stuber, Men in Black International, Doolittle, and The Lovebirds. Some of these movies are good, some not so much. Eternals could end up turning him into a mega movie star. I loved him in Silicon Valley and in Franklin and Bash. And during the press for Eternals, he kind of became the poster child for an actor who gets into shape for a superhero role. He was mocked. I mean, we saw him on Instagram. He looked really bigger than he was before. He got into shape to play a superhero, and he was kind of openly mocked by the public. So it kind of feels like maybe people are sick and tired of actors getting into shape to play superheroes. I mean, Chris Evans was lauded for getting into shape for playing Captain America. I don't understand what happened here with Kumail. Is it because he's a comedian who was getting into shape to play a superhero? I don't understand the anger there. Then you have Angelina Jolie, who had a strong 2021 with a leading performance in Those Who Wish Me Dead and in Eternals. The problem, both of these movies did not deserve her performances. In both, she's better than the actual movies themselves. In Eternals, she's kind of playing a hero who basically is going through PTSD. Jolie just knows how to act in blockbusters like Maleficent in Eternals. And that's a rare trait for actors. Sometimes they go in these blockbuster films and they give really boring performances. Angelina Jolie is equally interesting in a film like Eternals than she is in Those Who Wish Me Dead. And finally, Barry Keoghan gave two terrific supporting performances in The Green Knight as a scavenger, and in Eternals, he plays Druig, a character whose power is mind control. He questions the mission of the Eternals and wants to help humanity deal with their conflicts. Kumail will next appear in the Disney Plus series Obi-Wan Kenobi with Ewan McGregor, Jolie in the movie Every No We Take with Christoph Waltz, and Keoghan in The Batman with Robert Pattinson, and the latest film from writer-director Martin McDonough with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. The director of Eternals is Chloe Zhao, who is coming off winning two Oscars for Best Director and Best Picture for her last movie, Nomadland. And I fully understand why an indie filmmaker would want to make a Marvel film. It's probably a huge paycheck, and you're guaranteed to make a film seen by most of the world. What I don't understand is why Marvel wants Zhao. Yes, she's a great filmmaker. If you're making a certain kind of film, what Marvel is making is blockbusters, not great drama. I think Marvel needs to start focusing more on 
on the action in these films. They become predictable, dull, and bland. Who they should get to direct a Marvel film includes Chad Stahelski, the director behind the John Wick movies, Michael Bay, who's made Armageddon and Transformers, and Roland Emmerich, who's made Independence Day and The Patriot. These people best know how to make blockbusters. It just feels with some of their recent director hires, Marvel is fighting who they are. They should not care about winning Oscars, critical acclaim, or whether or not Martin Scorsese takes them seriously. And clearly they do. Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. have defended them against Scorsese, saying Marvel movies are theme park rides, not cinema. What they should care about is making fun, exciting, entertaining films. Something Eternals, for the most part, is not. Marvel does not need great directors behind them. They need directors who are used to directing big blockbuster movies. Let's talk about the biggest problem with Eternals. It's not the plot, it's not the lack of a villain, it's the central love story between Circe, played by Gemma Chan, and Icarus, played by Richard Madden. These two lack chemistry and it brings the entire film down. Secondary characters played by Barry Keoghan and Lauren Riddleoff have the two best chemistry in the movie. These movies work best when the main couple have chemistry. Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow in Iron Man, Chris Evans and Haley Atwell in Captain America the First Avenger, Chris Pratt and Zoe Zeldana in Guardians of the Galaxy, and Tom Holland and Zendaya in the Spider-Man movies. If Chan and Madden had any chemistry whatsoever, I could ignore the other flaws of the film. All these movies have issues, but you ignore them when the two main characters have chemistry. It fixes all your problems, and when you don't, it shines a light on all of them. Why WandaVision worked is because Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany were able to get us all to care about the emotional relationship between a robot and a witch because of their great chemistry. It's been an interesting couple of years for Marvel. 2020, they had WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This year, they've had four films, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home, along with the shows Loki and Hawkeye. And some might say Marvel is more dominant than ever, with four of the top ten highest grossing films of 2021, and three of them making the top five, and they are making some of the most talked about television shows. I think Marvel continuing to be a powerhouse is going to come down to how they integrate the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. They need mainstream characters. The Eternals are not enough. They need these iconic characters to fire on all cylinders. On the other hand, they now have infinite possibilities to go where they can go. In Spider-Man, they can bring back past characters from different franchises. There are endless opportunities for them to be successful, but I don't think they can make that many movies like Eternals and continue to be successful. Like if this movie Eternals that made over 400 million dollars gets a sequel, I question how many people will care. In the long run, I wonder if Marvel will continue to be as dominant box office wise, or they will make more modest hits that make over $300 million instead of films that make a billion. Can a film without the super well-known characters, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, be a gigantic $1 billion hit? Eternals made $400 million, which is impressive during a pandemic, but are people interested in seeing them team up with other heroes in an event film? I don't think so. I don't know if Avengers Affinity War and Endgame can ever be duplicated, especially with lesser known characters. 
we all know the selling point of these movies is to build up to a massive team up event with all the heroes and I think that film will probably involve Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. He's the new Thanos type figure. I want to get back to Eternals for a minute because one of the reasons that Eternals is the worst reviewed Marvel film since Thor The Dark World is because of one particular moment where one of the Eternals, Brian Tyree Henry, is responsible for a major historical event that actually happened. Let's just say this scene will leave you sick. It's in poor taste. No one wants these fictional characters actually dealing with real history. I think if this moment didn't exist, this movie would have gotten a lot better reviews and I would have liked this movie a lot more. I mean, this moment is really one of the worst scenes in Marvel Cinematic History. And I'll never understand why they thought it was a good idea. Let's talk about where Marvel is headed. Upcoming Marvel projects include Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. This is a much anticipated Disney Plus series. I know absolutely nothing about the character Moon Knight. What I do know is I want a show that stars Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, so sign me up immediately. Movie-wise, they have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, give me the Doctor Strange sequel. I am one of the biggest fans of the original Doctor Strange. Benedict Cumberbatch is fantastic as the character. He's my, my favorite Marvel actor currently. I want to see Chiwetel Ejiofor be the villain as Mordu finally. And you have Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch. Then you have Thor Love and Thunder, the sequel to Thor Ragnarok. You're going to have Chris Hemsworth. You're going to have Christian Bale. Who doesn't want that movie? Wakanda Forever. There's some big question marks about that movie after the passing of the late great Chadwick Boseman. You have The Marvels, which is the sequel to Captain Marvel with Brie Larson. You have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Who doesn't love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? And then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. As for the future of Eternals, it does feel like they will be involved in a big way in the future of the MCU, especially Harry Styles, who shows up during the post credit scene. Where I'm at with these Marvel movies is a case-by-case basis. I know there are some people that are so in the bag for these movies that whatever one comes out, they say, oh, this is the best Marvel movie I've ever seen. No, I have really high standards for which of these movies work, and Eternals, sadly, just did not really work except for those free performances I talked about earlier. Kumail Nanjiani, Angelina Jolie, and Barry Keoghan. The rest of the movie just fell flat. It's not fun, and a movie where people are shooting lasers from their eyes and fighting aliens needs to be fun. That should be the main principle of these films. Not to be super dramatic, not to win awards, to be a fun movie. And I cannot say that Eternals is any fun whatsoever. It takes itself so painfully seriously. And I know some people mock the Marvel comedic tone. Oh, you're just gonna have the same characters make the same witty jokes over and over again. Yeah, because that's a winning formula. I love those movies. I just watched Spider-Man No Way Home and had the best time ever. And that's what they were doing. They were being fun. They were being witty. There was some drama mixed in, but it was a good time. That's what these movies need to be now. And that's what they need to be moving forward. They need to be a good time. And sadly, Eternals is just not a good time. People will use the cop-out that this movie didn't work because these characters are unknown. And to a certain extent, that is the truth. Nobody on Earth, really other than huge Marvel fans, knows who the Eternals are. But guess what? It was the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. When that movie came out, I had never heard of Peter Quill. I had never heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now I'm one of the biggest fans of those films because of Chris Pratt, because 
because of Bradley Cooper as a talking raccoon, those movies are fun. Those movies are insane. They're a tree, a talking tree. They don't take themselves seriously. That's what Eternals needed to be, and it wasn't, and that's why, for the most part, Eternals just does not work as a Marvel film. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm your host, Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and this week I put the spotlight on the career of actor Gary Oldman and the movie Eternals. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the career of actress Margaret Qualley and the movies The Fallout starring Jenna Ortega, Maddie Ziegler, and Shailene Woodley, and Bergman Island starring Vicki Kripes, Tim Roth, and Mia Wojcikowska. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.